feels like I just was up here. Good morning again. Um, so very glad to be with you. Yes, uh, Craig and Ted left, uh, left the monkeys in charge of the asylum today. So, um, <laughs> But Will and I can handle it for one Sunday because we have Miss Willene here to keep this straight. She's looking at me now. She's like, get on with it, son. So, but Happy New Year. Uh, so glad, like I said, so glad that you've chosen to worship uh, with us this morning here at Ivy Creek. Uh, looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward just as much as you are to see what God says today. Um, but uh, so just looking forward to uh, today. Let's go to God in prayer. Ask him to just bless this time together. Father God, we, we do thank you. Uh, we thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you uh, for all the blessings in our lives. Uh, but most of all, that you loved us enough to send your son to die on the cross for our sins. And so, Lord, as we uh, expound on that a little bit today, uh, we ask that your scriptures speak to us. Uh, I pray the words that you put in my mouth uh, will glorify you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You're a week into the new year. Have you messed it up yet? Hopefully you haven't done anything in this one week uh, to derail your 2019. But uh, do you make... New Year's resolutions? Anybody make those? Uh, there's probably a couple of people out there that make those. I've, I've noticed the trend, uh, and I have followed with this trend. It's not so much a resolution, it's more of a goal. And even uh, changing it a little bit, I've seen on the Facebook that uh, people are even uh, doing a word of the year. This is the word that I'm going to hold on to this year. And so, uh, but hopefully, you know, I don't make resolutions because. Uh, usually about middle of January, I've kind of left them behind um, and, and forgotten about them and gone on uh, with, with whatever I'm doing. But as I stood here last year, or stood here the, the last Sunday of 2017, uh, I, had, I had spent some time reflecting on the year, uh, and I would looked at some pictures of um, some family shots we'd taken at Thanksgiving and, and some other things we had done, and I went, you know, Dave, you're not getting any smaller. Uh, and I have long since passed the age where you, where you continue to grow. Uh, and I was, instead of growing up, I was growing out. And, and so I began, you know, I made the goal of 2018. No, 20, uh, the goal of 2018 was to be, just hang with me just a little longer. <laughs> I, I do a... I do a pregnant pause sometimes for, because I forget what I'm going to say. But, um, I mean, for emphasis, that's why I do it. Uh, but 2018, I made the goal that I was going to get into uh, better physical shape uh, and, and to live a healthier lifestyle. Now, round is a shape. Uh, I understand that. But uh, I, was, I was becoming a little more round than I had chosen to do uh, or wanted to be. And... Uh, I realized uh, after many, many years of research that uh, sitting on the couch is not going to get you into any better shape uh, other than the one you don't want to be in. And so uh, I embarked on that in January of 2018 uh, to exercise more and to eat healthier and do all those things. And I stand before you about 20 pounds lighter than I was this time last year. So... Now, it was 25 pounds until... Christmas rolled around and all our wonderful cooks at, uh, 
at Ivy Creek Baptist Church decided to bless the staff with uh, goodies, and so uh, they were good. Uh, and so now, uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, we jump back on the wagon, and I get to eat nothing but lettuce for a year. So <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Danielle is too, because she remembers how grumpy I was um, during all that time. No, it's not for a year. It's just for six months. Um, but so anyway, but anyway, so I, so I embarked on that. And as I started to drop the weight and things started to happen and things all that, people start noticing. They're like, Dave, you can button your jacket now. It's like, yeah, it's kind of, I was starting to have to buy bigger jackets. And they're like, oh, you can button that now. What, you know, are you doing something different? Or are you sick or anything like that? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, this is on purpose. Um, but here's what I'm doing. I'm exercising. I've, I've got onto this diet plan. I've done this. I'm doing that. And isn't that a natural reaction? When somebody notices something and it's something good, like losing weight or something like that, you're like, oh, yeah, here's what I'm doing. Or, hey, I've noticed your skin looks a little better. Well, I'm doing Rodan and Fields. You're welcome. You're welcome. So that's for Danielle. Um, but, but anyway, we want to tell people about the good things in our lives. Wouldn't it be something, as we enter into 2019, if the thing that people noticed was Christ in our lives? Wouldn't it be cool if, if that's what we got excited about? I'm not saying we shouldn't be excited about having a healthier lifestyle. I'm not saying we shouldn't be excited about uh, refreshed skin or, or anything of those other good things in our lives. But shouldn't the most important thing that we are excited about is what God is doing in our lives? And we want to tell people about that? And so as I began thinking about uh, what God wanted me to say today, uh, and as we, um, Danielle and I were having a discussion, and, and I continued to read on in Matthew, and realized Matthew sets us up for exactly where we need to head after the Christmas holidays. Uh, and as we, if you've been here over the last month or so, uh, in preparation for Christmas, Craig did chapters one and chapters two. Today we're going to start chapter three. Uh, and he's going into Genesis when he comes back. But, uh, but we're going to cover chapter three because chapter three shows us, okay, we've done all the preparation. We've welcomed in the Christ child. We've welcomed in the Savior into the world, this, this new covenant that has come in. What do we do next? What do we do after the presents have all been opened, after the trees have all come down, after all the decorations are back in the attic? What do we do? Well, Matthew tells us. By Matthew telling about John the Baptist, because John the Baptist, his sole purpose on earth was to prepare the way of Jesus Christ it is a great example for us of that next step. Because maybe that's what we need to do in 2019. is to prepare the way of the coming of Jesus Christ. To prepare the way for this new covenant. And the cool thing about John the Baptist, uh, and, and if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to find his account in every single one of those books. Now, the birth of Jesus, that's talked about in Matthew and in Luke. 
but not in Mark and not in John. But every single gospel talks about John the Baptist. And if you look at it, it's almost word for word. And in my personal Bible study, when I notice things like that, I think, okay, why is that there? Why is it there all four times? Because there's other accounts that aren't there all four times, but why is this? Because John the Baptist is so important and so key to the whole story of Jesus that all four gospel writers needed to put it into their account of Jesus Christ. Because he was there to prepare the way. And so I thought it would be a great way uh, to kick off our 2019. Because not only did God in his infinite wisdom create a way for us to have fellowship with him, to provide a sacrifice once and for all for the, for the remission of our sins. He provided a person that's going to tell about that, that's going to prepare the way for that message. And that person is John the Baptist. So if you haven't opened your Bibles yet, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read through verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing of their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not produce, but does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the shaft will, be, will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, if you remember, last time we saw Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they had settled back into Nazareth. They had escaped the slaughter of children uh, that Herod had done. Uh, they had listened to God. They had followed God's ways. And now they've ended up back in Nazareth uh, for Jesus to grow up. And really, that's all we know of Jesus' childhood. Now, Luke goes into a little bit further uh, explanation. We get a story of when they left him at the temple and had to go back and uh, found him and he was teaching in the temple. But then the only other thing we have after that is, is also in Luke of he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and man. And that's really all we have. And then we start picking up with the rest of the Gospels of right here with John the Baptist. As Jesus begins his earthly ministry, we get John the Baptist first. Because John the Baptist was here solely to tell about the coming of Jesus Christ. The coming of the Savior. The coming 
of the new uh, covenant uh, for God's people. Um, And so what you'll notice and what you notice in the scripture uh, is what we see first is the message of John. And that's your first point uh, on your outline today is uh, it's the message that John is bringing. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is John's message. Uh, Now, we have to understand the context here a little bit. Uh, The context is, is that it has been 400 years since the people of God have heard from God. 400 years. And so, so here they are. Haven't heard from God in 400 years. In fact, the last time they heard from God, it was out of Malachi. And Ma- but Malachi t- says in there, in his last uh, couple of chapters, he's like, hey, look. God tells them through the prophet, he says, look, I'm sending somebody ahead. I'm sending judgment, but I'm also sending a messenger. I'm sending someone to prepare the way for the judgment. I'm sending somebody ahead. And this person was John. Um, after 400 years, God was speaking through a new prophet, and it was John the Baptist. Now, let's just get one thing clear. John was not actually Baptist. Okay? Like, we can't trace Southern Baptists back to, oh, yeah, of course we're the right denomination because John the Baptist is in the Bible. I mean, right? No, John was actually the baptizer. Uh, he was, there was no last names, and so they just said, hey, Uh, Since John does baptizing, he'll be John the Baptist because that's what he's doing. And John was a very common name uh, at the time. So, now that we're all clear on that, uh, we have John. He's out here in the wilderness, and he's saying, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's his message. And that's what he preached over and over and over again. And his message is this. It's twofold. First, we have repent. Now, repent, uh, if you look it up in the dictionary, means to change one's mind. But if you look a little deeper into the original language of the text, you get a lot more explanation. Because not only was repent changing of one's mind, repent was changing one's direction. Because before now, the people could sin, and on one particular day, they could give a sacrifice, and then they would be forgiven of their sins, and they could go on about their life still continuing to sin. But what John was saying, he's like, repent. Change your mind, change your direction, and go the other way. And then the second part of that is why we repent. Because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's coming. It's here. And when the kingdom of heaven comes, that's why we need repentance. Because we can't be with God with sin in our lives. And so he adds some urgency to his message by saying, don't just repent and don't just get around to repenting. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's come. It's here. Well, you need to do something different. You need to come back to God. And so we get the idea that repentance is this radical transformation because the kingdom of heaven is right here at us. And so, uh, the expositor's commentary helps us explain it a little bit better. Um, By understanding the message of John, 
uh, we have to understand where the message of John comes in and the story of Jesus. Uh, And the expositor's uh, commentary says this, Just as the angel's announcement to Joseph declared Jesus' primary purpose was to save his people from their sins, so the first announcement of the kingdom is associated with repentance and the confession of sin. So the, <clears throat> the proclamation that Jesus was, that, that God was bringing his, his kingdom from heaven to earth uh, and, and that Jesus' purpose was to save people from their sin, then obviously the first announcement leading to that is John's announcement that we need to repent of our sins. We need to confess our sins so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And then, as we get into verse 3, it says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And what Matthew is doing here, and what Mark, Mark does, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all do, and the reason they do it, is they're giving validity to John's message. Because they all use this exact same quote from the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. And he's adding validity to it. Because remember, we haven't heard from God in, 40, in 400 years. So when this guy starts screaming out in the desert for the kingdom of God is near, you must repent. You need to listen to him. Because Matthew knows his audience. Matthew knows that that his audience is the Jewish people. And so he knows that they know the scripture. And so if he can say, look, the voice of this is he is the one out of Isaiah that said uh, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness This is he. John's that guy. This is the one we've been waiting on to prepare the way of Jesus Christ. And so listen. Listen to what he has to say. Because God has sent him. Because God's been talking about it for hundreds of years. What about you? What message are you giving? Is it driving people towards God? Or is it by some chance driving people away from God? If we are followers of Christ, we all have that story to tell. We all have the story of God saving us from our sin. God bringing us from darkness into light. From death into life. Are you telling it? What is your message? So then, as we continue on in Scripture, we get this crazy picture of John. It says in verse 4, Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And so what basically Matthew is telling us is that John looked like a prophet. 
Because if you're gonna if you're gonna have a prophet that and we haven't had a prophet for 400 years, don't you think God in his infinite wisdom provided somebody that looked like a prophet? Now you stick John out here today in, in uh, <laughs> a camel hair suit, uh, eating locusts and wild honey, it's gonna be weird. You stick him out in the in the stick him out in the woods and he just starts screaming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. But for these people, at this time, that's the message they needed to hear. Because when they see John and they, they see his appearance, uh, and that's our, second, that's our second point, by the way, the appearance of John is what we see. Um, when they see the appearance of John, they're like, okay, this is God speaking to us again. Now, we haven't, seen him for, we haven't heard from him in 400 years, but, but if I were to hear from him again, I'm, this is what it would look like. This is the guy sent to prepare the way. So for people to hear from, God, from John, they knew that he had to be sent from God. And not only was his message different, he was, preaching, he was, he was talking about something, that, that, a totally new concept to them. That you could confess your sins right there and you didn't need any help from anybody. But it worked. Uh, the, the look that he had, the, the, the message that he was bringing, it was working. Because uh, as, as we look at verse 5, people from everywhere were coming out to see him. People were coming to hear what he had to say. And they were doing what he said to do. Uh, they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins exactly what he had said that they needed to do, they were doing. So John's message was working. His appearance was working. But what about you? Now, I'm not saying, go, let's, you know, after church, I got this new diet plan for you. We're all going to go to Kroger and we're going to buy some locust. And then we're going to buy some organic honey, um, and that's going to be our diet for the next six weeks. You'll trim the weight off like that because you'll vomit every single day. <laughs> and then I want you to head out to the deep woods and I just want you to start screaming, for the kingdom of God is near, repent. But what does your life look like as a follower of Jesus Christ? Does it look different than those that don't follow Jesus Christ? Or do we look the same as everybody else around us? Now, this sermon's not about divorce, and, and, and we're not going to go down that road, but let's look at an example of the divorce rate. At one, at one point in time, the divorce rate for a non-believer, uh, people engaged in marriage that didn't follow Jesus, uh, and the people that were in marriage that did follow Jesus, the divorce rate was the same, or pretty much the same. Now, you can get deeper into those statistics and, and all that, you know, regular attenders and all that, but do our lives look any different? What about youth sports? And I think youth sports are, are good. I think they're good to build character among uh, young women and young boys, and, and I think there's uh, very much a reason that we have them. 
But what happened to our Sundays? As, as the years have gone on and on, there's more and more stuff happening on Sundays. More and more tournaments happen on Sundays. And is the reason that more and more happens on Sundays, do you think it's because we keep showing up to these games instead of to here? Now, this is something that often, as a coming out of the youth ministry, this is something that always frustrated me and a question that I always had. But could that lone voice in the wilderness be saying, hey, our family's not going to be here this Sunday for that tournament. Our place is in our church. I think my family needs that. That's where we're going to be this Sunday. I think we've gotten in a bad habit. And like I said, don't hear me say youth sports is a bad thing. I think there's a need for it. I think there's some things that it develops in your character and in your athleticism and, and things like that, and it can take you to a, a course. Of, but is youth sports more important than the development of our the spiritual life of our children? Um, I think we've gotten in a bad habit of being of the world and not just in it and making a difference. Our appearance needs to be different from that of the world. And I'm not saying we need to be just these freaks that are standing on, <laughs> lack of a better word, standing on a street corner just screaming at the top of our lungs. I'm not saying that. But does the way that you parent your child look different from the way that the world parents their children? Does the way that you handle your finances look any different than the way that the world handles their finances? Does the way that you treat your body, your temple of God, look any different than the way the world treats their bodies? I don't know. What about you? Your appearance, your influence. What does that look like in the new year? Now, the next thing that we hit is the testimony of John uh, as our third point. And as we get into verse 7, we start looking at, here again, adding some validity to John's message. We're starting to hear his testimony and what gives him this authority uh, to speak to some of the people that he speaks to. Uh, because here again, this is something that, that's just unheard of. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his, bapti going to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the, from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And I'm not sure what happened at this point. I'm not sure what happened at this time in the story. We don't get a clue into that. But here's probably what happened with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, is that they were the Jewish leaders of the time. They were the ones that called the shots. They were the, they were the ones that make sure that everyone was worshiping the way that they were supposed to be worshiping, that everybody was honoring God the way that they were supposed to honor God. Whether they followed the laws, they made themselves clean, 
whatever it was. And so if something was bucking against that tradition, they were going to check it out. And I'm sure you remember, as you continue to read in the Gospels, you see this with Jesus. As Jesus started to cause a stir and started to raise a ruckus, guess who showed up? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so I'm sure as John's just out there in the wilderness, people have come from all around. Here are the Pharisees and Sadducees just off to the side. Did he say that? Is he allowed to say that? Oh. And then John's over here speaking and doing what John does. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Hey, you, you brood of vipers. Almost sarcastically, who told you about the coming wrath? Because remember, these are the guys that missed the whole birth of Jesus. These are the guys that are still looking for the Savior to come. And John's sitting there saying, look, he's coming. The kingdom of heaven is near. You need to repent. He's like, who told you? And then you say to yourselves, well, we have Adam. Or we have Abraham. We're born from Abraham. Obviously, we're okay. And John continues in this conversation he's having with himself towards them. Look, God can take these rocks right here and raise them up for sons of, Adam, sons of Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid at the root of these trees. Because what John is telling is like, look, your roots don't make any difference whatsoever. The testimony I have, the authority that I have is straight from God. And what God is saying is the roots don't make a difference anymore. Have you repented and are you following the kingdom of heaven? That's the message that I'm bringing. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees had not done that. Like I said, they were the religious leaders. They were the ones that were calling the shots. And they're like, hey, as long as, as we keep ourselves in this way, then we obviously have not sinned. Every tree that does not produce fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. That's the message all of us need to hear. With God's kingdom comes God's judgment, regardless of our roots. It doesn't matter if you've been in this church 50 years or if you've been in this church two years. What's important is the confession of sin and following Jesus. So, what about you? What fruit are you producing? Now, when I started in, uh, at the beginning of 2018, I had no idea that three months later we would, uh, that my mom would, be, would pass away from a prolonged illness with uh, cancer. But I stand here today with the testimony that God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing far better than I do. Do I miss my mom? Absolutely. 
Did we have sad moments this Christmas thinking about her and thinking about how much she loved the season? Yes. And in fact, last night I was, right before bedtime, I was read, or getting ready to read Catherine a story and she's just looked up at me and she says, I miss Gigi. Baby, I do too. But what continues to teach me and what my testimony is coming out of 2018 is that we still praise God no matter what happens. We praise God in the good times. We praise God in the bad and in the sad times. Because if I can praise God because he brought along the good times, then I have to praise the same God that allows the bad times to happen. That's my testimony. That's the authority that I have to say, that's why Jesus is Lord in my life. So what fruit are you producing? What's your testimony of what God is doing in your life? How are you using that to prepare the way for Jesus Christ? Or are you using it at all? And so finally, we have the thing that, that brings it all together. Uh, we have the purpose of John. And so when we take John's message, when we take John's appearance, when we take John's testimony all together, we see, God, we see John's purpose. John's purpose is to teach and call for repentance, but to also tell about the one that is greater than he is. Uh, look at verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. John's purpose is to teach and call for repentance, but also to tell of one who is greater than he, someone he is not even worthy enough to carry his dirty shoes. It's like John right there. He's saying, look, look, folks, it's not about me. I'm not the center of this story. I'm just the messenger. I'm just doing what I've been called to do. I've been called to prepare the way for Jesus. I've been called to prepare the way for the kingdom of God to come here on earth. But there's somebody coming. There's somebody that's greater. Far greater than I am. Far better message than what I have. In fact, he is so great, I am not even worthy enough to carry his shoes. See, he's coming. I baptize you with water. He's coming with a holy fire baptism. A baptism of fire. And it's a, it's a fire of, of, um, to purify and to refine. So he's coming to refine his people. He's coming to separate the fruit from the waste and to take the waste and throw it into the fire to burn up in this unquenchable fire. That's why I'm here. That's my purpose. I'm out here in the wilderness 
eating locusts and honey and living this life because that's what I've been called to do. My purpose is to tell the coming of one that's greater. I mean, we even find out from Luke a little bit later, because Luke adds a little more detail into the story, that John was so excited and so in tune with the Holy Spirit that while he was still in his mother's belly, he leapt with excitement when his mom met Mary, or when Mary came to his house. Because he knew the baby, even in the womb, that there was something special about the baby that Mary was carrying. So that is his life's purpose. To be in tune with that Holy Spirit and to tell of the coming of one that is greater. What about you? Do you spend your days pointing people to Christ? What is your purpose? That seems to be a mantra that, that is coming out, not sorry, a mantra, but a question that everybody wants to ask. What is the purpose of my life? And so we have all these self-help books. You can't go to Barnes & Noble and not find a self-help book that says that, you know, you possess what is inside you. You can have your best life now. It's inside of you. No, it's not. Your purpose is from the one that is greater than you are. That has come to baptize with fire and to refine his people for the kingdom of God to come. That is our purpose. Is your purpose to make you greater or is it to make Christ greater? And I know we're sitting in a, in a church full of people that you're not vocally going to say, yeah, my purpose really is all about me, uh, you know. You know, Jesus is cool and all, but, you know, it's got to look out for A number one. No, we're not going to say that. But what do our actions say? Do our actions reflect those things? What is your purpose? Because as we close out today, as we get ready uh, to head into our invitation, a believer's sole purpose is to point people to Christ. That is the only reason we exist. Once we accept Jesus as our Savior and make Him Lord of our life, the thing that we do is to point people to Jesus. And everything that we do points to that task, points to that purpose. The reason we get deeper uh, involved in Bible study and deeper in discipleship and deeper in accountability is so that we can point people to Christ. That is our purpose. Our message, our influence, our testimony should all point people to Christ and His saving nature and His amazing grace. Do you do that? Now, does this mean that we, should, that we shouldn't have goals? Absolutely not. If you want your goal to be to be more financially stable this year, do it. Just make sure you're pointing to people to Christ in the process. If you want a goal this year to be, I want to be in a, in a healthier lifestyle and in in, 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 to be more healthy, do it. Just point people to Christ while you're doing it.
We can have other purposes and we can have other goals, but our overachieving purpose, one that covers everything, is that we are always to point people to Christ in every single thing that we do and and whatever we say. It's the reason we are here, is to point people to the message of Christ, of his redemption and his grace, which leads me to my sermon and sentence today. Just as the message, appearance, testimony, and purpose of John were used by God to prepare the way of the coming Savior, God uses our influence, actions, purpose, and testimony to herald his message of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We are here to shout from the wilderness, to shout from the rooftops, to shout from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is here and can change your life. That is our purpose. That doesn't mean we sit in our rooms and read our Bibles all the time. But it means as we go along our day, as we do our runs, as we work out, as we eat around the table, as we do whatever we do, as we work and do the best that we can do at it, We point people to Christ. We let our lives be show that we live for something greater and we point to something greater than us. Y'all pray with me. Father God.